The Old Testament reading is taken from 2 Kings chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left. And the two of of them crossed over the dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elijah replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots, the horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. The epistle reading is from 2 Corinthians 3. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were still made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ it is taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do, do we distort 
the, the wor word of God on the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we command ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For a God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, may his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The Holy Gospel from St. Mark chapter 9, and this text will also serve as the basis for today's sermon. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. God's grace and his mercy and his peace be richly multiplied to you. From God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The amazing thing about the transfiguration of Jesus is not that he began to shine with the brightness unlike anything ever on earth. Instead, the amazing thing about the transfiguration is that this brightness, this glory of the Lord of heaven on earth, is contained in this man, Jesus. That glory was there from the moment of his conception, hidden in the one, growing in the womb, in his mother Mary. The glory was hidden in this one that was laid in the manger in swaddling clothes. It was hidden in the child that was growing up in Nazareth, obedient to his father and mother. It was always there. For it was his. It is who he really is. True God and true man. But on this day, on this mountain, Jesus reveals his glory to three of his closest disciples. Peter, 
James, and John. He is transfigured or literally morphed before their eyes and then just as quickly is hidden again. Now is not the time for glory. Now is not the time to shine. For now, Jesus is the God-man on a mission. He's been sent to do one thing, to take that glory and hang it on a cross. And so hiding his glory again and starting back down the mountain, he charges the three not to tell anyone what they had seen. And notice, until when? Until the Son of Man had been risen from the dead. Until he has completed what he was set to do. Now that mission had been foreshadowed by those who appeared with Jesus on that day on the mountain. I'm talking about Moses and Elijah. Their appearance testifies to the fact that he is on a mission. For God began to do through them what would be ultimately and completely fulfilled in Jesus. First there was Moses. Oh, you remember him for going up on Mount Sinai and receiving the Ten Commandments. But then the alternate Old Testament reading for today is the story of when he would go and converse with God in the tent. And when he came out, his face was aglow. So what he had to do, and you heard it in the, in the epistle reading for today, he put a veil over his face so that the people would not see that shining glory. But Moses also had more. He received instructions for building the tabernacle, that mobile temple which would accompany the people of Israel through the wilderness and into the promised land. That tabernacle was where God graciously dwelled with his people in the wilderness where sacrifices were offered to atone for the sins of the people. And now Moses stood on the Mount of Transfiguration and beheld with his eyes the tabernacle of God, now in human flesh. For here, in Jesus, was the glory of God graciously dwelling with his people. Here, Jesus was the sacrifice which would atone for the sins of the world. Here, Jesus was the one who would do what Moses could not do, complete the journey of the people into the promised land. What Moses beheld by faith, he now sees by sight. But then there's also Elijah. When you think about Elijah, who can't help but think of his battle with the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. There he was, 450 to 1, 450 prophets of Baal against just Elijah. 
There, each would offer a sacrifice in which everyone was accepted by God by fire. That was the true God. And, of course, the prophets of Baal, they prayed in vain while Elijah's water-soaked sacrifice was consumed by fire from heaven, overthrowing Baal and his prophets in a great day of victory. But now, on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah would see the true sacrifice that would overthrow Satan and all his evil minions. That sacrifice, too, had been water-soaked. For that's what happened with Jesus at the Jordan when he was baptized. And on the cross, he would consume the fire of God's wrath against us. Here was Jesus, the victory of God for all time. Here in Jesus was the one who do what Elijah could not do. Overthrow not just one false god, but the one who is the source of all false gods and beliefs, Satan himself. What Elijah had seen by faith, he now sees with his own eyes. And so do Peter, James, and John see all this. But they do not understand it yet. They cannot understand it yet. They're still filled with fear. The unveiled glory of the Lord was too much for them right now. Moses and Elijah knew something about that fear too when they lived here on earth. But now in glory, they behold the Lord's glory without fear. That will be true for you and me too, as well as Peter, James, and John. But not yet. And so Jesus tells the three not to speak of what they had seen and but don't understand. The gospel and the cross is still hidden from them yet. And it would be veiled to them when they saw Jesus at Calvary hanging on the cross, fulfilling his mission. They would not see the glory when faced with fear and death and the horrors of hell in battle on a formation against their dear friend, against the one that they had confessed to be the very Son of God. They would not see the glory in what looked like an utter humiliating and horrid defeat. On the Mount of Transfiguration, We see the glory of Jesus that was always his. But on the cross, that place called Golgotha, or the place of the skull, there we see the glory of God that's for us. The glory of his self-giving love the glory of Jesus laying down his glorious life for you and me to do what would take a death and resurrection. 
Oh, yeah, well, the first thing we can do, we can die all right. That's the penalty for our sin and rebellion against God. But there's not one person here who can do the second part. The resurrection. Apart from Jesus, sin, death, the grave, and hell is our home, and all we have look to, all we have to look forward to. But the transfiguration of Jesus shows us the one who entered into our sin, our death, our grave, our hell on the cross for us. And what did he do? He took captivity captive to liberate us, to free us so that we enter into his glory and eternal life, but also free now, free even though we sin and are sinned against, free even though we're going to die and we're going to mourn the death of others and our loved ones. Free, even though Satan seems more powerful in this world and life. All because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. They cannot hold us captive. Theirs is only a temporary conquest. But the victory of Jesus on the cross and the grave is everlasting. And then there's one more thing. And the Old Testament story helps you and me to see that. The one when Elijah was taken up into heaven. That's a foreshadowing of Jesus' own ascension. But it's what comes next in that story that's so significant for you and for me here today. After Elijah is taken up into heaven by fire and wind. Elisha is given a double portion of his spirit to carry on. And my brothers and sisters in Jesus, after Jesus' ascension, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church by fire and wind on Pentecost. And in the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us in our baptism, we carry on. We don't take or succeed Elisha like Elisha succeeded Elijah. No. The Spirit now lives in us, taking us through this life with its sorrows and challenges, through our own death in his resurrection, and finally into life with Moses and Elijah and all the saints who have gone before us. And so, brothers and sisters, the man on the mission has completed his mission for you and for me and now is completing his mission in us. His spirit has been poured on you in your baptism 
washed you clean from the stench and decay of your sin and death by the blood of Jesus. And that washing of Jesus, you are made whiter than snow. And that's the reason why it was a custom in the ancient church that after baptism, the newly baptized put on a white robe to symbolize and confess that our baptism is a transfiguration and Jesus is on a mission through you. And that mission continues now in his Holy Supper and you're invited to come after the service as the body and blood of our Lord comes to feed you and glorify you with his forgiveness Life and salvation for you. That there you may be changed. For the food given you here isn't changed into you. It changes you into what it is. A full-fledged child of God with whom the Father also says to you I am well pleased and so the transfiguration of our Lord lifts the veil as St. Paul would say and gives us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus to see that glory that Christ has provided for us, that awaits us, and that is here for us, the glory that is ours even in the midst of suffering, trials, temptation, and loss. You know what I'm talking about. We experience all of these things here and now, but that doesn't mean there is no glory. Jesus teaches us today how to see that glory that is now hidden in us. But it's real. The glory that is on top of the mountain also comes down from the mountain, but hidden. It's as Peter would wrote, and we heard today in Bible class, a glory and a salvation that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, with that in mind, and looking to heaven and eternal life, that doesn't mean we live with our feet off the ground and our heads in the clouds as some people accuse Christians of being. No. It means our Christian vocation is grounded in the fullness of Jesus and the freedom he has given to us so that we love and we serve and we forgive no matter what the outcome. And if you take a look at the disciples after Pentecost, that's what they did, didn't they? 
for they had been changed. And not only have they been changed, but you have been changed too. And make no mistake about it. And so you too now live in this glorious freedom and therefore confident of your Savior's love and forgiveness and the glory that is bestowed upon you, you can confess with Peter, it's good to be here. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.